Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to possibly my favorite episode that we've done thus far of the Advisor Arena podcast. I've got Josh with me as always, not to discredit how excited I am to see you every week, Josh. But we have Tom Schaff on with us today. And I am tempted, Tom, to spend, you know, the next couple of minutes spewing all of your credentials and how impressive you are and, you know, dropping names like Tony Robbins, who you've collaborated with. But I'm going to practice what we preach here. And we tell people those that you're trying to work with don't care about your solutions. They care about their problems. So let's jump into what we're going to solve today for financial advisors, which arguably one of the number one problems is how to get in front of more of the right kind of clients, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Do you really talk about that that uh, it's all about finding the problems, being a problem finder, not a problem solver? We do. So we have, um, that's a kind of a recurring theme that we talk about to try to teach people, don't just spew information about yourself or how impressive you are or all the things that you solve. Let's try to dig out some problems. So we'll give you credit for that. I mean, I, I tell people, you're the reason why we have so much success. I, I love your the teachings. Goat. Call my mom and tell her that I've achieved my life's mission. (laughs) (laughs) The sales coaching goat. That's what you are, Tom. Well, that's very kind of you. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, People don't care about the solutions. They care about their problems. They think in their problems. They don't sit around and go, I wonder what kind of annuities I should buy. They're like, I wonder if we're going to eat. I think about that often. Um, (laughs) So here's what we're going to do today. Many advisors have what I'd call... Um, many people call the Sunday scaries. Like you're doing well, you're great. And you look at your schedule for the next week and you say, who am I going to call? And Ghostbusters doesn't occur to you. It's like, what are we going to do? So today, as we launch our March Madness Go Forth campaign. March 4th, March. March 4th. Why are we calling it March 4th, Jamie? Because we are starting today. Through March 4th, the actual number four, a three-part podcast series in which Tom is going to join us for coaching. And on March 4th, we're going to help you March 4th, F-O-R-T-H, into implementing all these things. And we're going to tell you at the end what you uh, have an opportunity to get on March 4th. Pretty exciting. And you know what's interesting about March 4th? It's like a second New Year's Day. It's like, I was going to do all this stuff. I joined a gym. Then, you know, January 10th, they stopped going to the gym. Um, What we're going to do, it's a chance to start over. We've got 10 months left, 10 months to make the year happen. So what are we going to do today? We're going to look at creating your list of prospects. Now, it's interesting. You can go through this business. You can make a good living and not have a good prospecting routine. We forget about where the people are. So for those that stick with us today, in the next 45 minutes or so, we'll go through nine areas to come up with your list of prospects, a formula, uh, a stat, um, 
it's it's a uh, what am I saying? Strategic, uh, proven method of coming up with the list of folks that will create your best quarter that you might have had in years. Now, here's the best part, by the way, Jamie and Josh. At the end of this meeting, we're going to deal with something that the average prospect, the average person listening to the show, will probably make ten thousand dollars in the next month immediately with a 20 second move. We're gonna teach a move if they stick through the end of the show, where if they learn this move, things will happen and they'll make cash and they'll owe you forever. How's that? I like when people owe me forever, frankly, so. Me too. I'm I'm in. (laughs) Well, what do you think, should we jump in? Let's jump in. You want me to share the document or do you wanna set the stage for what we're looking at here first? I love that. We're calling this more clients now. Yes. More clients now, I'll share with you with top, uh, frequency. I work with top producers in the industry and they're, they say, you know, I, I like your method, but who am I going to call? Like I write a couple of big deals a year and it makes my year. Um, most of the year, I'm not really prospecting. I don't, I don't know. I don't have anyone to call. So I thought about it. I created like, where should this, where should leads come from? And so the, the form that we have right now, more clients now, if you'll pull it up, I want to say something about that before we do it, because I want to say I want to add to something here before we pull it up, because I think there's also this other set of advisors who say, oh, I'm so busy. I have all these people to meet with. Um, But arguably, they are still sifting through people that aren't their ideal clients. They are in front of people, but it's not the right kind of prospects. They haven't figured out how to zero in and fine tune that. Right. I, I think that's a really great point. It's there's some people that don't have any prospects and there's some people that are like, I got all kinds of names, but that's what they are. You know, if you want to catch bigger fish, you got to leave bigger holes in your net. You got to leave things swim through it or you spend all of your time catching things. I don't know if you ever fish. When my when my kids were young, I'd take them to, to catch sunnies, little fish and sunfish. And you can catch like 50 of them in an afternoon. It was fun because... Kids are pulling stuff out, putting it in a pail all day. But if, if you were going to actually clean those fish, you could spend two hours and you get like a fish McNugget. Like you couldn't <laughs> even fish. You couldn't even feed the two little mini me's that are running behind me. Um, we got to get something with some meat on it. And That's a really good analogy. We don't need advisors out there trying to survive off fish McNuggets. So. No sunnies. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to pull up this document, but we also have people that are joining us that are just listening to the audio. So I will we'll kind of go through and we'll explain here what we're looking at. We'll look at it. And by the way, can you have what's a way that somebody that's listening could get a copy of this? Uh, Can they send you an email? Can they? I'm so glad you asked. First, let me ask. Can you see the screen? I can. Okay, awesome. we're sharing this on here, but we are also making this available. So Tom, you very generously given one of your foundational items here for anybody that's listening that wants to take advantage of it. So as always, just go to um, either our website, theadvisorarena.com. You can go right to our contact page there, or you can email us at theadvisorarena at gradientib.com. Fantastic. We'll send it to you. More clients now, we'd like you to have a great quarter. So it starts with understanding what do you want for a year? And what I always think about when I help advisors is uh, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. 
what's your FYC uh, goal for the year? And so on the form, I'd like you to write down, like, here's what I want to do in FYC, first year commissions for this year. And then take it, divide it by four, move it over to the right. So like, what would be, uh, for your listener, what would be some of the ranges of FYC that people are, are looking for, Jamie and Josh? I would say anywhere from 200,000 plus, 200,000 to a million and a half. Yeah, so if we said, you know, it's 200,000, our FYC quarter would be 50,000. If it's a million, our FYC is 250. And so there's nine uh, different boxes that we're going to go through. Now, inevitably, everybody has um, some boxes that they're better at than other boxes. So what I do is I say, let's take that number for your quarter. Um, let's divide it by eight. We'll give you a pass. We'll give you a mulligan. So if you're if you're trying to do a million FYC, and that means you got to do two fifty a quarter, we're going to divide it by eight, and that's going to be like thirty one thousand two fifty or something like that per item is what we're going to head at. And in each one of these line items, you could just say, I'm going to make a game. I'm going to do this like a bingo card. I'm going to try to get every one of these categories hit. I'm going to try to hit a goal for each one of these categories. And then I'll have a vibrant business that sustains forever. Some of you might say, "Mm, I'm not going to do some of these. I'm going to jump up one of my other numbers. But let's start with our number one. Our number one is client reviews. So client reviews are awesome. In our client base, there are people that have all kinds of needs. Their lives have changed. People got married. People had kids. People got divorced. People started businesses. People sold businesses. People have had health scares. People have inherited money. Man, things have changed. Have you talked to them lately? So client reviews are a great spot. I'd like you to make a list in this spot of six people, six people that likely have had a change in their situation, either their familial structure, their life events, they've had some change with their capital distributions, maybe they're retiring, maybe they're planning for retirement, maybe they sold a business. What's the category, six clients that you have right now, list them out, that should be doing business with you. For those of you that are life insurance agents, maybe it's somebody that has um, a bunch of term that you sold them and it's time to convert. Maybe it's they sold the farm and it's time to turn that into an income stream, whatever you have. So, um, Jamie and Josh, any other thoughts with your clients? Let's just think about it. What kind of people should we put in the client reviews? What would trigger like I got 300 clients? Why should they pick these six over the rest? So I have a question on this before I answer that. Let's say somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know. I haven't paid attention to what's going on in the lives of my clients over the last, you know, six months, eight months, what have you. I've I've kind of lost touch. Now I don't feel very confident, maybe what's happened in their life. What are some tips to uncover that maybe in, in reviews? What should we be asking? So as we're doing reviews, we can say, how can I uncover my you know, maybe I can only think of three. How do I uncover the other three? What would you recommend if somebody feels stuck on this, on how they uncover it? How do I uncover who they are or how do I do a review? 
how do I uncover some of these events? Like somebody got an inheritance or um, some other kind of life event that has changed their risk tolerance or their goals or their income needs or what they're doing. If I can't think of six because I've lost touch of what's happening in their life, what kinds of questions would you suggest? What would you tell me to do during my client review so that I can uncover who are my best six? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, when in doubt, <clears throat> I'd go to the people that have the most assets with you. I'll give you an example. I had a guy named Mark Taylor. Back in 1998, I'd been a sales trainer for exactly one and a half years. And I was about three pages in the manual I had of, <laughs> of him. And uh, this guy, um, he was an asset manager. He had a billion dollars that he managed. And he worked for a company called Sanford Bernstein. He needed to get a hundred million of new assets that year, um, or else he wouldn't make like equity participating vice president. It was October. He had 35 million in. 35 million needs to get to 100. Asked him, how many deals have you done this year? Seven. That's 5 million average. I'm thinking, dude, you got to get like 13 deals. Um, why don't you get me all of your clients in like size order? Give me a list. Well, number one, add 100 million with them. I said, you know what? Here's an idea. Why don't you fly out to that city? And uh, I said, why did they give you that, that money? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what was their goal? I don't know. They just gave it to me. I'm like, what do you mean? They just gave you 100 million? Yeah. I said, why would they do that? They said, they're friends of my dad. My dad's a Fortune 500 CEO. Are they just Gave me, you know, this guy. I said, you're, you're, you're kidding me, right? He's like, no. I said, if they gave you $100 million and you have no idea of what your goal is, they took it like from under their couch and they have billions of dollars. <laughs> right. Like go right. out there and talk to them. So he comes out and he says, you know, I apologize. I, you know, we've done a pretty good job. We've gotten a good return, but I wasn't really sure where this fits in the context of all your other holdings. I should have done a better understanding and I want to make that right. Let's talk about what you have. Let's talk about where you're headed. What's important to you. Let's, let's find out all these goals. At the end, what do you think they gave them? Three times that. Another hundred million. He walked away with another hundred million. I never saw him again. Uh, he, he's like, I won, I'm done. Um, <laughs> okay, so I got to stop you there because what you just said comes so naturally to you. And that's one of the reasons I think I was so drawn to what you teach because it's like the anti-sales, right? I didn't have to go in and pitch something super awesome to these $100 million people or, or have all the answers going in. You have a very humbling approach, which I think is much more comfortable for 99% of us that are in any kind of sales, but certainly in the financial services business to say, you know, I, I should have done this. Tell me more, tell me more. What can I help with? What do you need? It's a much more comfortable and effective way of building relationships with people. That's what you just said right there is one of the main things that I'm drawn to with you, so. Well, that's kind, you know where that comes from? Where? Good judgment comes from experience experience comes from bad judgment. I've had a lot of bad judgment. I might have earlier in my life been the most arrogant person that, I, that I've ever known. And you know what? Was not a way to win friends and influence people. 
Got so it. When, the, when you come out and you're declaring who you are all the time and making about yourself, the people kind of root for you to lose. Yeah, true. But when you turn that around and say, hey, I screwed up. You know, my best example of that was uh, in, a, in a moment of amazing clarity. I, um, I had applied for a job in 1986, and uh, it was my first big job out of college. And it was with the number six fastest growing company in, um, in America on the Inc. 500. His name was George Brostoff, Simplex Communications in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I interviewed with him and he said, why should we hire you? And then I told him for like an hour, I'm awesome. I'm great. I'm number one. I was the president of all these things. I have all these awards. I get off. I get out of the meeting and I talk to the headhunter and they go, how do you think you did? I said, I crushed it, man. They're still looking for the ball. They're like, they hate you. They can't stand you. They think you're a narcissistic egomaniac. And I'm like, but I want to work for this guy. I want this job. And I'm like, my life is over. I'm not going to get this job. I'm not going to get this job. That night, <laughs> pull up. I'm like, it's 1986, man. There's no internet. But there is the white pages. I look in the white pages and I find the guy's address. And I think, I'm going to find his house and I'm going to write him a letter and then I'm going to put it under the, the thing of his car, the, the windshield wiper of his car. But, you know, Mike, my, my, I have a 1984 uh, Apple Macintosh. It came out in 84. I got the first Macintosh. It's all packed up in my stuff. I, I don't have it. I'm like, and I don't have a typewriter. There was a thing called the typewriter, kids. Uh, so I'm like, what am I going to do? I go down to the local convenience store. They have no paper. They have no pens. They have like spiral notebooks, a scissor, and a pencil. I, I like crudely carve out my pencil to sharpen it. I, I'm, I'm writing, I cut off the fringes of the paper. I'm like, George, today I screwed up. I really wanted this job. I was nervous. I, I was so impressed on you. I felt small. I tried to justify who I am. But if you'll give me another chance, you'll find that I'm teachable. I want to work for you. I go out to the guy's house. And when I get to the house, there's six cars in front of his house. I'm like, what am I going to do? I go back. I write five more letters. on every one of the cars. Oh, my word. That's a great story. I like that. Well, here's the punchline. The next morning, I get this call. Mr. Brostroff would like to meet with you today. Um, but he said, have the guy who wrote the letter show up, not the other guy. See, Good lesson. Good lesson. That's the point is like, yep. you know, fall on your sword a little bit. So in these client reviews, start with if you're not sure where to go, if you're not following, if it's people, hey, if it's people that are doing well, if people, here's at the, the bottom line. You got to make a living. The best way to help the poor is to not be one of them. Um Look at some of the people that are some assets. If you're not sure, look at people that have complicated situations, people that um, own businesses, people that have good jobs, people that are in the professions, people that have children that are, uh, uh, you know, that are maybe going to elite schools, people, people that have special needs children, people that you know something about. And maybe if you if you're just don't know what's going on, your catch up is 
you know, a lot of things have changed in the last two years because of the pandemic. I want to see, A, are you okay? And if there's anything we need to change to serve you better, as you might have reevaluated your life's priorities. I love that line. And so uh, that's what I do in number one. What do you think of that? I like that. Yep. And you're, what we're looking for there is six people, right? So this is our, out of our nine list. So those that can't view this, we have nine areas that we're going to zero in on as foundational items. We've got a goal for generating a certain amount of business from each one, starting with, we know we're going to do client reviews. So what kind of opportunity do we have as we're doing client reviews to uncover circumstances that we should be addressing one to serve our clients well, but two, because it generates additional business. Let me tell you what my concern is. Sometimes people, when they do this, they find out it works so well. They're like, it's such a great idea. They think they should like do six in a week. And here's the problem. They can't deal with the amount of business that's generated. So they drop balls everywhere. They, you know what? They're so worried about getting these six people handled that they like, I didn't have time to ask for referrals. I didn't have to, you what? I like to do two reviews a week. Two reviews, you'll get at least one piece of business, maybe two, and you're gonna get a chance to follow up on your referrals, which leads us to number two. Okay. When you do these reviews, I set a goal that you should uh, have five uh, referrals that come from each one of these meetings. And of those five, then I wanna say, hey, who's, who's the person that's, who are the people that are of these five that are the most open-minded that when you share something, they go, I gotta check that out. Who are the two that you would pick that, you know, they take what you say at word and um, they're interested in it. And then I'd ask them to make that an introduction. So our goal, our game is do six reviews, get 30 referrals, make 12 introductions. By the way, if we're keeping score, at the beginning, we said, I want to do X amount for my quarterly goal. I'm dividing that by eight. And we said, in the client reviews, could you get one eighth of that goal just by client reviews? A lot of people hit their whole goal just on their client reviews. The second one, a lot of people hit their goals. If they do it, here's the problem. Everyone talks about referrals. Be a go-giver. Go, Bob Burke. Read these books. And you know what they do? Nothing. Because do you think that do you think the problem with referrals is people get so uncomfortable with being specific and asking for what they want to happen? They can't they kind of ask and then not really. Or where do you see the biggest obstacle with people getting referrals? Well, it's a great question. Uh, I think there's many obstacles. Um, I think when people don't ask for referrals, uh, uh, the first stop is I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't think I'm going to get anything. So. I say, well, it's not going to work anyhow, so I don't ask. So the first issue is I don't ask. The second is I say, hey, you got anyone I can stalk and remove them from their money? You know, they don't say that, but that's how it sounds. So, like, that's never been like, I would love to help you remove my friends from their money. Like, that doesn't ever work. So here's the challenge. When you go through to a restaurant, and you sit down and go, I'll have the fish. They don't bring you steak. That only happens at McDonald's. They only screw that up at McDonald's. When you go to the restaurant and order, they typically bring you what you order. 
here's the challenge. Do you know anyone that I should talk to? Who do you know? Who do you know that I could talk to about my business? Well, that's about you. And it doesn't tell anybody what you're looking for. We all have somebody who lost a job. We lost, you know, a friend from church, a person we know from school, whatever. Oh, how are you doing? I lost my job. What are you looking for? I don't know. If you know anybody, will you tell me? Yes, because I want to send you to all my friends and say, my friend has no clue what they want to be. Will you hire them? My friends don't hire people who don't know what they want to be. Do yours? No. Here's how it could sound. It could, we could change that around in order to put ourselves in a stronger position. First of all, we do the review and we say, hey, how do we do? Let's role play this. Josh, how do we do? Uh, did okay. Thought we did pretty good. Good. On a scale of zero to 10, on the referability of your experience, zero is clueless, 10 is fantastic. How referable would this uh, experience you have be to friends, family, and colleagues that actually need these kind of services? I'd say eight. Eight? By the way, in the history of the planet, I have never gotten an eight. And just out of role play, it never happens. It never happens. You get nines, worst case. And two-thirds of the nines are nines on a nine scale because you're a tough grader. Okay? So just to put that in perspective, you will never hear an eight. You just did a review and shared and learned and updated. They don't go, you're an eight. So um, we got to test our answers, but let's go with eight. You know what? That's a good score, not a great score. Um, what's the part that I missed, uh, should have done a better job at? You didn't tell me uh, we, we had to miss them. Oh, yeah. Well, I've just had some things change over the pandemic, and this is our first time meeting uh, since that's all taken place. So I just thought it should have went a little, we should have done it a little sooner. Got it. So in the real life, you would have done your review and served them before you would have asked that question, so they wouldn't have said that. Okay, so we got to kind of real world this. So, Josh, bit. you're doing really well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's fine. In real world, they would say nine, 10. Josh, most of the time I get like a 15. On a scale of zero to 10, what do you have? 15. At that point, I'm saying, what was the basis of the score? So give me a nine. What was the basis of the score? So you're a nine. Uh You've done well with my money. I've liked how you've uh, you've taken care of me. You've been um, great to work with. I love your office staff. So nine. Fantastic. Um, we are always taking our business to the next level so we can serve folks like you better. Do you mind if I share with you, since you've had a good experience, where I'm taking the business and who we're most going to serve in the future to see if there are people you care about um, that would need that? Can, can I share that with you? Sure, that'd be great. By the way, as we start, this is going to sound weirdly familiar because you're our sweet spot. Like who we want to serve is you. And now tell them, here are the people that we share, the professions, the life situations. There's three things that I would share. The kinds of people that you work with, the problems that you solve, and the outcomes they're looking for. And then after that, I would go back to uh, who do you know that's a business owner that 
is that cares about those kinds of things that you know and love. Who else do you know? Who do you know that's a medical professional? Who do you know that's a business professional? Who do you know that's corporate executive that's retiring? Who do you know selling a farm? Who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? I'm going to quit at five. So let me ask you a question here. What if they say, oh, gosh, I know there's somebody. I just let, let me think on it and I'll give you a call back. You know what? I'd love to do that. Um, and so does that happen? Yeah. But again, that happens when you just say, let's talk about referrals. When you share the categories, you get less of that. But okay. if, that, if you think that happens a lot, let's change your script. No, I think that's good. I think if uh, I'm just asking, you know, like what to expect. So the how you how you are proactive with asking for categories will help overcome the feeling like oh they're going to say, you know, whatever and I'm not going to get it anyway. Do it as you've laid out. Trust the process. Let's test that and then if you're running into issues, we'll come back to it. Um so let's say you get the five names, but what we really want is introductions. What's the next step after getting the five names? You know what? These are great names. You've never really referred me before. Before we run, let's crawl, then walk. As you take a look at these five people, who are the two that are probably the most open-minded that when you suggest stuff, um, they usually are interested in it and you really care about them? By the way, there's some languaging I'm using. I, it is not refer me because I need the money. It's who do you care about that you want to make sure is taken care of? There are a bunch of shysters out there in this business. I don't know if you've heard about them. They're out there. There are all kinds of people that are trying to remove people from their money doing stupid things. When you are a great financial professional and provide service, make them think, ask questions that provoke their thought. They're like, you're not like the rest of them. You do your job. If you have the skills, if you don't have those skills, get some. But if you are a professional and you do it, listen, if you've ever had an experience, and I hope it's not the case, but real world, we have relatives, family, have heart attacks and cancer and all kinds of sicknesses. That's what it's like to be a human. When you get a miracle worker, a person that can go beyond the obvious and solve a riddle, and you hear somebody else has something happened in their family, you say, you've got to see our family doctor. She is magical. Why? Because we care about these people. We're not trying to create revenue for the, the doctor. We're not like, oh, the doctors helped me so much. I want to help them pay for their kid's college. It's not something like I get paid two ways by the fees that you pay me and the referrals you give me. If I ever see that on someone's signature again, I'll just punch them in the face. <laughs> I wish the, we knew how you really felt about that. I'm holding back. Um, but that's how you do it. So stop. Anybody that has that in their signature right now, go <laughs> delete it right now. I will it's punch. never too late. Okay. So here's what I'll tell you then. And then be thankful. You want to get. Here's what I do. I have um, I have a pretty good memory, so I can do this in my head. But in an illustration where I could show you in a class, I have a name. So I'll give you an example. I had a, game named, a guy named Wes Crawford, and he worked for me. He sent me to Tammy Lucius. 
and Tammy Lucia sent me to Tammy and Chuck. And then I did business with Gradient. And then I did some more work with uh, Dustin and uh, and uh, Brady. And then, you know, along the line, then you guys came in, Jamie and Josh. And now we're talking, guess what? If it weren't for Wes Crawford in 2013, I wouldn't be on this podcast nine years later. I thank you for having me on your show. But there have been seven generations of people between this conversation and where this started. So what I do, I send them all a note. Just want to thank you. I was on a podcast. It occurred to me I never would have been on if it wasn't for you. It's been a while since we talked. I hope you're doing well. And if you get the chance, let's catch up. And when I throw these seven angels into the air, these seven uh, carrier pigeons into the air to deliver my thanks, a weird thing happens. Within two weeks, three to four of them come back. Hey, it's good to hear you're doing well. You know what? I, I've been thinking about you. We should do something new. We should have a meeting. We so I just write thank you notes. That's you know a great what my tip. big marketing thing is? I write three thank you notes at least a day. I write at least a thousand thank you notes. Bill Clinton. Handwritten, right? No Handwritten, emails. which yep. in my case is maybe questionable judgment because they might have to get an Egyptian translator to pull this off. But I, I read that Bill Clinton and uh, George W. Bush wrote 50 thank you letters a day for their whole careers. Wow. We'll get you elected president. Try at least three. See what happens to your life. Let's go to number three. Okay. Let's do it. Number three is a client. Anyone that you're not doing reviews on, maybe you've met with them, you just sold them recently, but they could refer you when they haven't. Get your list. Write this down. I'd like you to go through your database and go, now here's the thing. People refer themselves. When someone, if you're an ultrasound technician and you refer the doctor you work with, the doctor doesn't say, ooh, I'm going to get financial advice from the person that's helping the ultrasound technician. That has never happened in the history of the planet. People, they, they refer to themselves and down, and that's when you get traction, not up. People like, when I started in the business of insurance, Northwestern Mutual, um, they told me that if I went out and sold all my 22-year-old drunk friends, that I would do a great job and I'd get referred to their parents. I have a 20 and 24-year-old now. I guarantee you, I am not buying anything from their drunk friends. I am not. <laughs> not going to happen. I think I went through that same training at New York Life back in the day. Yeah, I'd be like, I remember oh. that. It just doesn't make any sense. So here's my point. Go through your clients. Find the people that are your ideal clients. Find the people that are your best clients and start with them. And by the way, this sheet, we're keeping this up. Don't give up on us if you're bored. We're starting with the warm so you get immediate traction. This is what you got. It's the best of your best. It's your best clients for the reviews. It's referrals to the strategic people like them. So you continue getting your best clients today. It's going to the next group and saying, hey, who else is out there that I'm not doing a review on, but I could get referred on. Now we're going to move this a little farther away. Let's go to four. Okay. 
everybody's got a friend that they've never approached. I don't want to hump their leg. I don't want to be like salesy. I don't, I'm in a golf club to get business, but I never tell anybody what I do. I don't want to be salesy. I think you've got a $30,000 gambling addiction. I think that's what it's called. You're going to the club hoping somebody by accident will ask what you do. You got to tell people what you do and confront them. I had a client, Chris Collier in uh, Cincinnati. And this first year of the pandemic, in the summer, he had three clients under 45 that died. One drowned. One had cancer. Uh, one had a car accident. But three died, 45. When their other friends were bringing flowers and ham sandwiches, he was bringing million-dollar checks. Now, that's insurance. Could be annuities. When your other friends are saying, hey, you know, here's a silver cup and a pair of glasses so you can beg now that you're retired, you bring monthly checks. Checks are good. You have the ability to help people with a problem that a lot of people have. That is getting the best return, getting predictable revenue, giving guarantees, giving peace of mind, making it so you're not afraid to spend your money because you know you're going to have money. Who do you want to give that gift to? So I'll be like, who are you going to be sad for if they're not taken care of? Here's what I found. I work with a lot of advisors. Many of them, you know, million to $6 million a year. You know what they tell me? In their lives, in 30-year careers, they've never seen anybody who had their financial career altogether. They can be the heads of Fortune 500 companies. They can be billionaires. They can be centimillionaires. They can be decamillionaires. You know what? They've never found a place that they weren't able to add value to, even if the person had 10 other financial advisors. Why do you think your friends are an exception? If you care about your, if you were a cancer expert and your friends had a kid that likely had cancer, would you say, oh, I'm a friend. I don't want to ask to look at him naked. That would be uncomfortable at you know, neighborhood gatherings. You'd be like, I'm a doctor and I care about these people. So if you've earned the right to be awesome at what you do, then serve people and start with the people you care about. So no, how do you approach the people that you care about? Because we're not in front of them for client reviews. We don't have an opportunity to use some of the verbiage we talked about. We're approaching them presumably out of the blue. How do you suggest best practices to do that? Well, you know, uh, I'll, I'll jump into this. Um, it's longer than this because it's contextual. But I'd start getting the idea that I'm here to serve and I care about my friends. This idea of humility, of being humble. You know, when we admit our truth that's not flattering, weirdly enough, people don't think less of us, they think more of us. And they respect us more. What if you told the truth? I've been thinking of you with frequency about my business because I help people I care about, but I've never approached you because I was a chicken. And I thought you would be like uncomfortable because you'd think I was just trying to sell you. But as I seen this pandemic wipe out some people's spots and some families die that aren't cared about and other people retiring early because they're afraid to go to work and wondering if they're going to have money. 
I wanted to make sure if you're okay. So big picture, do you mind if I give you my headline? If it's not for you, kick me to the curb. I am a wealth advisor and I help people like you that are pre-retirement with one of three problems. The first people, the first one is they're concerned that, the second one, you know, they're concerned that you got a 401k that you're soon going to have to figure out how to turn into distributions and you don't know what to do. You don't have any guidance. You've just thought if I put the money away, it would work itself out, but you have no plan on how to deal with the back end. The second message, message, message. It depends on what you're selling. Yep. But again, you just reiterated, it's that very humble, authentic. I'm not coming in to pitch you. I'm not coming in to say how great I am. I'm not telling you all about all these solutions that I have. It's here are the three things that I can help with. You're looking for if they identify with those problems, right? If you don't have these problems, it's like, listen, I'm a doctor and I'm a urologist, but things are a little slow. You got any heart stuff? I went to med school. Like, you know, like listen, urologists <laughs> don't do that. They have three problems they solve. And if you don't have one, they go, hey, call my friend Morty. Um, so I like that. That's good info. I think that's a, that's a, piece of this that people really struggle with because they feel like it is going to be so salesy. I don't even know how I would bring it up. So that very humble, just, I haven't before. Here's why. I I mean, I think that's awesome. Tell the truth. You know, I I've done this a time or two. Uh, I, I love baseball. It's my life and I'm watching a game and it's Baltimore on the TV. And I'm like, Baltimore, and it makes me think of my friend Joe Roth. And I, I invariably will call him up and go, Joe, guess what? I'm watching the game. It's the Orioles, and I'm thinking of you. And then I can take that conversation. And So what's in the news? You know what I look at? I look at the news. I look at what's going on, what I'm watching, a book I'm reading, and I go, and it's not like I go, how am I going to find a prospect today? My natural occurrence is I do things, I ingest media, I look at things. And it makes me think of people. And when I think about them, I actually call them. You no. take action. You're, take action. you're so intentional. Mm-hmm. Robert Cialdini, who wrote the book Influence, he's one of my mentors. Um, he's the best research person on persuasion in the world. And he had this dynamic discovery in his research. You know who we like? People that like us. The goal in the world is not to be more likable. You're not yourself. The goal is to like people, to find something you respect in other people and be kind and share it. I asked my son, what do you want in school this year? He said, I I want a girlfriend this year. I said, that's a good goal. What are you looking for in a girl? He's a girlfriend. He said, a girl that likes me. I'm like, you are so much smarter than I am. <laughs> you look for, so what you do, you look for people you care about that you like. And then you don't like, it's a little kiss. It's not a French kiss, no tongue. Like don't overdo it. You changed my life. You're the great. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. I care about you. And I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And if you are, Game on. We're all the same. I don't mean to be a pest. I just don't want to have a regret that if something happens to you, it was something I could have done something about. Do you mind if I tell you the problems I solve? And if it's not on your radar, and we just go back and talk about baseball. That's good. And I like the tip of 
reaching out like we normally would. Hey, I was reading this or I watched this or I heard this. That's a normal way in which we engage with friends. And probably we have those authentic thoughts of, oh, I hope that that doesn't happen to them. Or I hope, I mean, I can think of a million instances where that's occurred to me. And I just, I think it, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they have somebody like me that's looking out for their best interest, but I don't call them and say that. That would be, I would be a, a logical next step and it works. So thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I was watching on Amazon Prime the other day, As We See It. It's an older show. I hadn't seen it before. It's about three autistic um, adults living in a group home. So I watched it. I, I binge watched. I watched like 10 episodes in like a night. I just couldn't turn it off. I was like, man, I wish I would have made this show. This is the greatest show. <laughs> but you know what I thought of that night? All my friends that have special needs children. If I was a provider, I'd be like, I was thinking of you. These, I was watching the show. Have you seen it? These people are living in a group home. One's, you know, parents died and the brother's taking care of them. The other, they couldn't handle it. They, they're paying it, but they had to move out to get further away. And I just wanted to make sure that you were taking care of them. Whoa. Like, so think of the context. Watch shows that are about it. Let's go to the next one. Existing referral partners. Hey, there are categories that have referred people um, to wealth advisors for decades, lawyers, accountants. Here's what I do. I think about, did you ever, you guys are a lot younger than me. There was a show called the Hollywood squares. Have you ever heard of it or seen it? I have seen it. There was like a Tic Tac book toe board and there were like nine celebrities and you'd ask the celebrity a question and the, the, the greatest box is the middle. If you could just get the middle, that would that gives you all these different opportunities. The middle is your ideal client. If your ideal client is a business owner, you put them in there. If your ideal client is a medical professional, you put it in there. If you're, you know, I have a client who only sells um, Asian medical professionals. He's a young Japanese guy and he calls on all of the other uh, Asian medical professionals. What's your identity? Who's your people? Put them in the middle. And then ask yourself, what other things do these people buy? What are these people buy? The fewer the targets you work on, the easier your business is. Nobody wants to go to the person who do you work with? I work with everybody. Yes, I work with I work with doctors, lawyers, truck drivers, paper boys and girls. I work with rodeo clerks. I work with circus clowns. And I sell them financial services, do heart surgery, and then I sing. Yep, that's my, like, who would do business with this person? Nobody. So don't you think the scariest thing here is advisors know they should find their niche. They want to, but it is such a scary place to be to say, I am going to only work with this niche. How am I going to turn these other people away? Or am I going to limit myself so much? So you, I mean, there is a method to the madness, right? You have to be intentional and specific with it. Yeah. So the, the challenge there is belief. And when we're worried about going out and limiting, if we want to limit our market, we think there's not enough business there. Weirdly enough, if I think there's a limit to what's available in the world, I think I need everyone. When I think there's more business 
in anything that I can ever do, I want to go as small as I can so I'm the preeminent person in that world. Really successful people don't want to deal with people that are amateurs. The closer, the tighter your target market is. Now, I'm also not stupid. So I say, how about it's a little bit of both? What if we pick three targets? We pick, we take care of their clients, we get referrals from our clients, and we pick three intentional targets and see how it works. And if this isn't our thing, if we don't like working with them, I used to work with Fortune 500 companies. I sold 62 Fortune 500 CEOs. You know what I found out? I love working for the Fortune 500 CEO. And when I got sent to their people, I didn't like it. Why? Because when the CEO wasn't involved, they paid me in 120 days. I like getting paid on time. So you know what? I don't work with them anymore. They're not my thing. So you look for who's your people. You're not lost. You're exploring. You try stuff out. You say, let's try this. Let's let's make an effort. Let's go see if we can build a niche on this and what it's like. And if we like it, we get more. I had a young guy, 34 years old. He lives in New Orleans. And he decided, I'm going to go after nurse anesthetists. Interesting. 34 is 165 of them. 165. You know what he's going to have by his time he's 40? He's going to have 400 of them. By the way, disproportionately, these nurse anesthetists, it's not a one-for-one, but let's say 65% of them are women and half of them marry doctors. So now he's got a medical family. These nurse anesthetists make, depending on the market, 150 to 450 a year. The 450 being traveling nurse anesthetists. Um, and then you add a doctor's salary to that. You know what that's going to be for this person? It's going to be, I don't have to really worry about a lot of things later in my life. So you get rich in your niche. That's what Mark Victor Hansen said. Rich in your niche. It's an abundance idea. The, it, there's more business than anything. I was talking to this guy. He was um, an Orthodox Jew in New Jersey. And he's like, you know, I don't really have a niche. What should I go after? And he's like, I go, what are you interested in? And he's like, I like football. I think I'll go after pro sports agents. Something like, do you have any credential? I say, you could do that. But I'm going to tell you, that road is a little beaten. A lot of people going after that. I said, what do you do in your life? He said, I love to ski. I said, you love to ski? Yeah, my whole family. I said, man, and... I said, are there a lot of Orthodox Jew fam- you know, families that, um, that ski? He goes, you know, there are some. I'd be like, that's a certain lifestyle. That's a certain people. Um, what if you looked for, like, the people that are your primal community? So here's my point. You can specialize in anything. Here's one of my niches. It's financial service professionals. But I guess second one, I love baseball. I love to talk about baseball. A lot of people think baseball is boring. I don't get it. It's crazy. But I said there's there's a, 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 a stadium, and it has 60 skyboxes. They probably have 200 fractional skybox owners. And if I could get 15% of those, I'd have 30 clients at 100000 a year. That's 3 million times 30 stadiums. That's 90 million. I created major league sales for the purpose of 
selling sales training to people that have skyboxes at baseball stadiums. You can make a niche doing anything. Good point. I think it's the takeaway for me there is what are you naturally involved in? What are you interested in? Picking something random that you don't have any affiliation with now is going to be a little awkward just because you think, well, I, I think my referral source is like, I got to go find a CPA locally and I got to get in with, you know, a couple of CPAs or attorneys or what have you. Um, but that's a, a pretty beaten path. Not that there's not opportunity there, but finding what you naturally are part of and what you enjoy and, and people that you're drawn to, I think is a great tip there. So let's go take a look back at five then, this idea of the Hollywood squares. There's an open loop there, let's close it. Okay. Let's say that we want to get business owners that have boats in Florida. That's our people. You know what? We just love the water. We just love boats. We love boat people. We love people that have boats. So what are all the people that people who own businesses that have huge boats and slips on the co the Gulf Coast from, uh, you know, Tampa down to Sanibel, what are the things they buy? Let's make a list. Who are the things, what are the things people spend a lot of money with that and the, the advisor has intimate knowledge about this person? What are some of the categories? I would say a good GPS system. For GPS system, that's interesting. Kind of transactional. More like long-term, ongoing, I'm with them. Anything else that comes up to mind? There's a Guys. person who sells them boats. And you know what they're going to sell them later? A bigger boat. There's a person, they have a lawyer, they have an accountant, they have a commercial real estate person, they have a commercial insurance person, uh, property and casualty. They have headhunters. They have an investment banker. They have a... Um, they have an IT consultant. They have a marketing consultant. We could do this all day. So our Hollywood squares, we put them in the middle and we say, here's all these people. Who are the people I already know that are sending me business to these people? That's number five. My existing referral partners, who are the accountants? Who are the consultants? Who are the headhunters? Who are the sales professionals? Who's selling them that I get referrals today? Now, if we go to the next category, it's like maybe you don't have enough of those. Who could they be? Look them up. Here's what it, Tom Otteson, uh, Northwestern Mutual Life's best life insurance agent um, when I was a kid. Um, I asked him one time, how do I get to be you? He said, well, I spend 90% of my time looking for business for 11 other people. I'm like, how do you make money doing that? He said, I have 11 other people that spend 90% of their time looking for business for me. Who are the people that have your prospect already? My friend who's a nurse anesthetist who has 165 of them, nurse anesthetists buy other stuff. If you sell stuff to nurse anesthetists, do you want to know my friend? Yes. Can he refer something else to these people he doesn't sell and then get access to somebody's, their nurse anesthetist? Yes, that's the way business has been transacted with smart people for, for 100 years. So here's what I'd like to think of. Imagine a, a national meeting, a regional meeting, a state meeting, a city meeting of your ideal customer. Who's got trade show booths there? Who's advertising? Who's members of that association? 
find the people that are targeting your people and go out and give them leads to your people and then ask them to be a partner. When you do this, you should look for a couple things. Somebody who's as hungry as you are, that's not satisfied, somebody that you trust, somebody that wants the people that you have and you want the people they have and um, they believe in teamwork. So that's, that's the what you would do for number six. So set your goal. How many dollars am I gonna do in FYC from referral partners that I don't have today? Now the best, you know, the strategy that you'll ask is, well, how do you get this people? Find somebody in your client base that's doing well, that needs something and be like red in the green mile, kind of guy who has a way of finding stuff. Like you gotta be the person that has a way to find stuff. I know a guy who knows a guy. You say, hey, listen, that sounds important to you. you if, if I can uh, hook you up with this person, would you like to talk to him? That would be great. You know what that does? It tethers you to your client. It makes you more referable to your client. And now you've given a referral to someone that you vetted. But when you send them, you say, hey, I think I've heard about you. I think I have somebody that you could serve. Can I talk to you about your business for a little bit to see if it's a fit? Who's your ideal client? What problems do you solve? What outcomes do they get? Let me tell you about Bob. What does a good person do right now? Who's your ideal client? What problems do you solve? What outcomes do you have? What outcomes do you get? Go get a couple of those people in your life, 11 of them. 11 of them will change your life. You'll never look for business the rest of your life. Let's go to seven. Seven, people who you know, you don't know them, but you'd like them as a client. These are people in your market. Now, this isn't like Elon Musk. <laughs> they're like, who are people in your market that you've read about? Who are people that have connections? Who's the head of an association? Who is the head of uh, the maybe the United Way? People that know everyone at you know, I like restaurateurs. Who has the hottest restaurant in town? Get us a client. Why? They know everybody. Who sells luxury cars? What's your brand of car that you like? Maybe you're a Tesla person. Maybe you're a Bentley person. I'm an Audi person. Maybe you're a Silverado person. I don't know what you are. Find your people's car. Go sell the person that has the dealership and the number one salesperson, and you will have referrals forever. Go look for strategic people. Make your list and take a shot at them. Number eight. Number eight, where are people that have major cash distributions? They're in transition. They might be retiring. They're pre-retirement. They got 401k money. Maybe they sold the business. Maybe they inherited some money. Maybe there was a divorce. Maybe they, were, they won the lottery. Maybe there was a lawsuit. Maybe they sold their farm. I don't know what they did. So take a look at it. Read. Now, there's observation. There's what you hear. There's your networks. And there's public record. When businesses sell, there's a, there's a paper trail. Hey, you know what would be a great idea? People in your neighborhood that sell businesses have money or are going to have money. Maybe you should go after, in number six, people that sell businesses. 
so that when they sell the business, you know what's going to happen. Maybe headhunters. When someone retires with frequency, they're going to find some people. A headhunter is going to bring in a new executive. Somebody's going to have to move a 401k. Headhunters could be your friends for 401k moves. Let's go to the nine one. And this is the promise. This is the one. This is the one. I don't know. Jamie and Josh, have you guys ever found that um, people have deals and they say, this looks really good. I think we're going to do it. I have a good hope that if everything works out, we'll do this in the fourth quarter. And then you never hear back from them. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. My son was applying for an internship and he was really upset. He's a sophomore and usually the good internships go to upperclassmen so that they can get the job the next year. Nobody wants to hire the sophomore for the summer internship. They want the junior. He went after the best companies. Couldn't get him, couldn't get him, couldn't get him. And he was like depressed. Everyone's asking where I'm signing, but I haven't signed. You know, I don't have an offer. I'm like, well, where do you want to work? I said, what's going on? I sent him emails and they're not getting back to me. I said, the thing I say to all my clients, that's like magic elixir from the heavens. Send him a text that says, hadn't heard back from you. Are you okay? Nothing else. That sounds stupid. You know what? In a business day, most people will text you back in two hours. 80% of them will get back same day. (sighs) What are we doing? We're presupposing that a person that likes us, that we like, would get back to us. And if they're not, something's going on. Something's bad. So we don't say, I need a job, get back to me. I need a sale, get back to me. We say, hey, had an earth from you. That's not like you. Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? And the text says, I'm okay, but you know what? Something did happen. My dog got COVID. My mom's sick in the hospital. I broke my leg. My car broke down. Sounds like country western song. Something happened, but you're on my mind. Now you get to go back and say, listen, if this is not important to you, tell me and I won't bug you. I just want to make sure I'm not dropping the ball because I don't want to leave you down. And and then now you get a chance. Should we schedule? It sounds like you're busy now. Busy never gets better. Should we schedule in the future? Or would you like me to close the file? Or get on the phone. This is such this is such an incredible one because it's you often say if you're going to be successful, you've got to sound different than everybody else sounds. You've got to be different. You've got to do things different. And if you sound like everybody else, they're going to react like everybody else. You're going to get the same results as everybody else. But something as simple as this. And I think anyway, when we've done this with you in the past and, and I've heard this, it's it literally is just hadn't heard from you. Or are you OK? No big opening or closing, not call me later. It is just that. It's the simplicity of it that works so well. Well, it helps if you're an earnest person. You know, I was watching um, in preparation. I looked at your guys' video and uh, I saw your origin video, uh, Jamie, where you talk about being on the ranch and talk about being on the farm and what you care about. I think we were raised by the same people, by the way. (laughs) Um, 
these are the things that you're often trained by, by your parents. Like, do good things for other people. Don't care only about yourself. Do everything that you say. My old man said, be firm, be fair, be easy. Be firm. Don't compromise. Be fair. Make sure that deals are right for everyone. Don't be a jerk. Be firm, be fair, be easy, be kind, be considerate, give. I remember when my old man, um, he was in the track, he sold tractors. He had a big tractor store in Mandan, North Dakota. And I said, Dad, have you sold all your tractors, sold all your buildings, sold all this real estate, did all this stuff, put the money in the bank. You could probably make more money than you're making in the store and you could do whatever you want. He said, I am doing whatever I want. And then he got me in the car. It was a truck, actually, probably an F-150. And we went and he said, see that farm? If I closed, that farm would be out of business. See that farm? See that restaurant? You see that they're all trucks? I closed. People are not eating at that. They're going to Bismarck. Be like, this is my life. These are my people. They gave us our life. Go be a smart city slicker. He smacked me in the face and said, like, serve people, man. Serve. Serve people, you will get paid. Serve people and you'll get paid. So try that out. You know what would be awesome? If anybody's still listening, the 2.2 people that are out there that are still (laughs) listening at an hour and four minutes, if you would drop a note that says, I did it. Here's what happened. That would be great. And should we team team up our next broadcast, what we're going to talk about? Yes. Messaging, right? So next week, we're on to messaging. Next week, we're going to talk about messaging. Don't talk English to the Chinese. You got to talk Chinese. Why? Because that's their language. You don't expect other people you want to influence to translate. When I go to France, if I go to France and I speak English, I think they spit in my food. But when I try to speak French and I butcher it, they go, you know what? Sounds like you've got some problems, but thanks for the effort. I actually went to school in the United States. Let's do this in English. And then I don't get raw meat. Uh, It really works for me. Start in the language that they talk about. So what are we going to talk about in our next broadcast? Translating what you do to the language that they think. When you can get in their head and say the things that are there, they're like, It's like you could read my mind. Yes, we can. Come to our next episode and find out how. Tom, thank you so much for joining. If anybody wants this nine list of nine things that will create this foundation for going and getting more clients now, email us, theadvisorarena at gradientib.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel if that's where you're watching, or you can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Um, but watch for next week's episode, more to come. And thank you for joining us. Tom, Josh, thank you.